Good evening, and welcome to the Snake River, uh, sorry, it's the View from the Rim podcast. Torn with a lot of emotions today. Um, Here we are, today is uh, Sunday, it's the 17th. One week from today will be Christmas Eve. The time of year that we celebrate the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm torn with so many things, and I've mentioned things down the line, but what I wanted to talk about today was just a little bit of a branch off um, from the lesson that we had today. Come follow me. Actually, it's not the lesson for today because it was the, the it was what we were studying the week before. It's the first five chapters of the book of Revelation, the Revelation of John. And as I was talking, I mentioned about John's ability. To paint a picture. What was mentioned by others, of course, is that there are many individuals that likely had similar visions to what John saw. Well, we know of one, of course, directly that was Nephi in the Book of Mormon and other testament of Jesus Christ. And he was told specifically that he could not write about it because this revelation was was going to be John's to write. Now, mind you, that was 600 years before the coming of Christ, and so add probably 660, 670 years after Nephi had this vision is when John exiled to the island of Patmos. And why? Because... He couldn't be killed. And Christianity was not yet in vogue in the Roman Empire. And in particular, chapter 5, where John sees the book with the seven seals. And an angel asks, who is worthy to open the book? And no one was worthy. And John started to weep is the word that he used. And and the messenger said, Weep not, for the Lion of Judah of David's line, the Lamb of God, is worthy to open the book. The Lamb of God who paid the price 
for sin. Who conquered death through the resurrection. And has made it so that we can all live again. My favorite chorus from Messiah is not the Hallelujah Chorus. Hallelujah Chorus, of course, even though uh, one of the lines out of the Hallelujah Chorus is in Revelation, uh, I believe chapter 11 offhand. I don't have my notes in front of me. And I'm not very good at remembering things like that. You know, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. An Easter song. Worthy of the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, is not an Easter song. It's a millennial song. Hearkening in the second coming of the Lamb of God. I love it. Worthy of the Lamb and, and the Amen chorus. If you sang the Amen chorus, you would think that singing two words or two syllables of one word over and over and over would not be difficult you would be mistaken. Go listen to it. In fact, I'll include a link here. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ because as the capstone of his mortal life, he suffered for our sins and he died so that we can live again. And even as I said that term, I'm not sure I'm thrilled with it. We say it a lot. Don't get me wrong. The term I'm talking about is lived again, live again, that we will live again. Truth is, we never stop living. We have always existed. And we will continue to always exist. Now, there is an end to mortality. And we've talked about that. I'm not going to go into that here because we've talked about it enough. Mortal life is finite. There is birth and there is death. But the end of mortal life does not suggest that our spirits cease to live. We know from, from Peter and from modern-day Revelation that, that we go on after this life. In fact, we know Christ on the cross told one of the thieves that in this day he would be with him in paradise.
many, many. People gave witnesses, witness accounts of the resurrection of the Savior Jesus Christ. In Jerusalem, there were hundreds that testified to the resurrection of the Savior. In the New World, there was a few thousand. when the resurrected Christ appeared amongst them after his mortal ministry. The babe born in Bethlehem. Very humble circumstances. And yet not humble. I mean, as far as his mortal family goes, of course, it's very humble. You know, you know, I, I remember in Spain the tradition is that youth would go house to house, you know, as Mary and Joseph did, find trying to find an inn, and there's no room in the inn. There's no room in the inn. And finally at the appointed house they would be allowed in. Um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I'm not going to link to this on here, but if you look at my Facebook or my X or whatever it's called now, Twitter, there'll be links to a, a short video, about 18 minutes, entitled The Christ Child. And it paints a very different picture. Yes, no room in the inn is scriptural. I get it. But I suspect that what they were seeking and what the video presents, and video is not, this is the official doctrinal policy of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The video is not that, although it was produced by the Church of Jesus Christ. And so I would suspect, I will not say that it's doctrine but it was produced by the Church of Jesus Christ. Where they were in the end, but of course a woman giving birth in a crowded main room was something to be out of the question. And so giving birth in the stable, and whether it's a cave, whether it's a uh, a, a, a barn. None of that matters. Gave Mary the ability to not be a spectacle. In a location full of people who are not there by choice. Additionally, the video, The Christ Child, portrays the wise men arriving not on the night of Christ's birth, which is completely understandable, because that's when the star appeared. 
And unless they lived just east of Bethlehem, like a couple miles, like the shepherds, which they did not, by the way, they had to travel for some time. They got to Jerusalem because, you know, their navigational ability, a star that's millions of miles or billions of miles away, who knows, can only guide generally up to a certain point. And so they sought out the king, and they were a sufficient stature that they were able to gain an audience with the king. And they asked Herod where they could find him to go worship him. And so Herod had to consult with the priests, scribes, etc. And they had to go look it up. And they can't just pull out their phones and say, Hey, Siri, what are the prophecies regarding the birth of the Messiah? Not able to do that. And so they had to go and look, and because they may not have been seeking, looking, they'd had to look forever through everything. I mean, imagine the task force that was sent to the archives and all the scrolls pulled out to see if there was any mention of where the son of David would be born. I believe it was Micah, wasn't it? That said that he would be born in Bethlehem. And so... Herod sent them to Bethlehem. So this was not, you know, one or two days. Um, of of these people traveling, probably more than a year. And it is Micah chapter 5. And so they arrive, and in the video, it's, you know, Jesus is portrayed as probably two years old or so, which makes perfect sense because when the wise men did not go through Jerusalem on their way home, because they were warned in a dream to go another way. Herod knew the location because the scribes and the priests had found it. So Herod did what, what people threatened in their position always do. 
kill. And the fact that he ordered every male two years or less to be killed, that kind of gives us a, a, at least somewhat of a time frame. Of course, Mary and Joseph were not in the stable, you know, two years later. Joseph, being a carpenter, undoubtedly was able to find work. We don't know that. It's not doctrinal, of course. But he probably had his tools with him. I mean, he packed up his shop. But in those days, you know, you take a, a trip like that, you didn't know if you were going back. I mean, if you look at a map today from Bethlehem, to Nazareth, or Nazareth to Bethlehem, even assuming that you cross the River Jordan twice because you don't want to drive, you don't want to go through Samaria, you're talking about a short day, but not in those days. How far to the east did these kings live? We don't know. Just wanted to add one little thing. Last night, uh, so that would be Saturday the 16th, our congregation, our ward, had their annual Christmas party. I'm going to try to link a video that somebody shared to it to my description. To the tune of uh, 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 Leonard Cohen's uh, Hallelujah. Was a song, and it was a typical, as far as you know, kind of a what you would expect, a play that you would expect, except it was done behind a white screen with the light shining. So no faces, facial features, perhaps, no faces seen. All's a shadow from the light. It was the most moving experience that I've ever had when it comes to discussing the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I've had several. It was amazing. The singer singing a little bit out of her comfort zone, I'm guessing, did a wonderful job. The lyrics, by the way, were not Leonard Cohen's lyrics. Uh, Different lyrics, I'm still trying to track those down. I've heard a couple songs, and some of the verses seem very familiar, but not all of them. Without Christ dying on the cross and being resurrected on the third day, 
we would not be celebrating his birth. The light that he provides, provides present tense to the world, shines in each of us. The question that I would ask to you, are we letting his light shine through us to others during this Christmas season, which, by the way, we should be letting the light shine all the time. This is my view from the rim. Merry Christmas. I'm sure we'll be talking before then, but in the meantime, Feliz Navidad or Merry Christmas. Good day.